welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Welcome into Soccer Morning. A little bit of a hiccup to start, but we are here. We are live. It is WorldSoccerTalk.com via audio, via video, via whatever you need to get us. Uh, We are on the air now, so let's go. Let's get this thing started. We have limited time. We've got lots of news and we have two quality guests today. Eric Giacometti from MLSsoccer.com will join us to talk about the New York Red Bulls, who are now in a hole in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Columbus Crew of their own making, for the most part. Give the crew tons of credit for how they played in that first leg. But now New York has a lot of work to do when they go back home to Red Bull Arena. And then our good friend Yanish Mahalik, who is one of the best soccer minds I am aware of, will join us. We'll talk to him about maybe some MLS, but certainly champions league as well as that returns today we'll go over those matches let's burn through this news so we can get to mr giacometti real madrid president florentino perez gave him battle manager rafa benitez a vote of confidence on monday despite real madrid's four nothing disaster against barcelona at the bernabeo on saturday quote we want to communicate that he has all our support and confidence rafa has only just started his job here let him keep working and he will achieve his objectives but i will only talk about this moment i cannot say what will happen in the future no one can say what will happen in six months. Perez rejected suggestions that the star attacker Cristiano Ronaldo has expressed unhappiness playing under Benitez and denies that the club is looking to sell Ronaldo. Michelle Platini's lawyer says FIFA, uh, the FIFA Ethics, Ethics Committee want to ban him for life. Calls, uh, the, the lawyer calls the ban, uh, requested ban a scandal and excessive. Platini is taking his appeal over his 90-day provisional ban to the CAS in order to, uh, to get into the field. For the February 26th presidential election, the FIFA Ethics Committee has formally opened cases against both Sepp Blatter and Michelle Platini and intends to come to a decision on both during the month of December. Both, uh, both of those guys are up for a lifetime ban, according to German media. NASL news, the Jacksonville Armada of the NASL have hired former U.S. Men's National Team goalkeeper Tony Miola as their next head coach. Miola replaces Guillermo Hoyos who was fired in September. The club also parted, away with, uh, parted ways with Dario Sala, who I believe was the GM during their first uh, season in NASL. They did well at the gate, but ultimately did not uh, play up to the standard that the owner wanted and fired both of those guys. Uh, now Tony Miola has the task of turning them into a contender in the NASL. Champions League matches today, as I mentioned, we'll go over some of these games uh, with uh, Mr. Mahalik in just a little bit. You have uh, Zenit St. Petersburg facing Valencia. Barcelona against AS Roma, Arsenal, and their uh, slim chances against Dynamo Zagreb, Bayern Munich hosting Olympiacos, Porto and Dynamo Kiev, Maccabi Tel Aviv and Chelsea, Lyon and Ghent uh, and others. The U.S. men's national team will host Guatemala at Mapfre Stadium in Columbus when CONCACAF World Cup qualifying resumes at home for the Americans on March 29th. The USA currently sits atop Group C with four points after a win against St. Vincent and the Grenadines and a draw in Trinidad and Tobago. And finally, ESPN analyst Taylor Twelman, Scoop Twelman, has said on Twitter that if U.S. Men's National Team international, uh, U.S. Men's National Team midfielder Jermaine Jones is to remain in MLS, it will not be with the New England Revolution. Uh, he's been in negotiation with the refs for some time. Apparently those are not going well. Twelman, uh, Twelman says that Jones has interest in Germany, England, and Brazil. Uh, remains to, see, uh, to be seen what happens there uh, with, again, with an American international 
uh, midfielder. Let's take a break. When we come back, Eric Giacometti from MLSsoccer.com. He covers the Red Bulls over there. We'll talk about the Red Bulls and what they need to do to come back and win the Eastern Conference Final. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. All right, we are back on Soccer Morning Tuesday. It's Thanksgiving week, so it just, again, everything like slows down. Nobody wants to do any work. Technology doesn't even want to work. It wants to take the, the week off as well. Joining us on the phone, a man who's not taking any time off at the moment, Eric Giacometti from uh, MLSsoccer.com, where he covers the New York Red Bulls. Eric, how are you? I'm doing well, Jason. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Okay, so this is obviously... Um, fascinating week for the rebels not just because you got to squeeze in the thanksgiving festivities for all the americans over there but also because you got to get ready for a crucial second leg in the eastern conference finals because they they dug themselves a hole and and i said off the top of the show eric give give columbus a lot of credit for how they game planned and and how they played in that first leg but this is a a good red bulls team who has to be very disappointed with how they played yeah they actually they have to be i mean and what surprised me was how surprised they were seemingly at their tactics, because uh, we talked to Jesse Marsh ahead of this matchup, and uh, we discussed the fact that Columbus had played kind of two different styles in their three matchups. Uh, the Red Bulls won two out of the three, but the one time they fell to the crew, uh, they started to go a little bit more direct to Kamara. Uh, where, you know, he was able to head balls down to Stanley and Mara, and that's exactly what happened You know, inside 10 seconds of that game. Uh, and they seemed absolutely shocked by it. So I'm a little surprised there. It almost seemed like they were ill-prepared for it, like they didn't know it was coming. Uh, but, you know, they had to have seen a film on it. And, of course, not getting an away goal is a, is a big, big blow for them because now they have to, you know, really shut up shop when they, when they get back to Red Bull Arena and uh, try to make up that deficit now. In nine seconds, Eric. I mean, to, to give up a goal in nine seconds the way that they did, again, you have to know it's coming. And even if you don't know it's coming, right off the kickoff, the ball's in the air. I mean, get your ass back and defend. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. Yeah, it's a bit strange. It seems like the Red Bulls, that was kind of their MO with uh, fast school. You know, we had Tim Cahill doing it, then Mike Grella beat that record against Philadelphia, and now they get a taste of their own medicine here. Uh, if, if we're looking at, you know, the culprits there, uh, it's two guys that were actually away on international duty. It looked like, you know, Matt Miazzi and Kamar Lawrence might have been caught sleeping a little bit there. And, uh, you have to wonder if maybe, you know, the, the international break with being away from the team, not getting the full continuity of preparation, in the, the week leading up to that match, maybe that led to a little bit of uh, unsuredness going into that match. And you saw right away, they just they looked shocked and they got hit right in the mouth. And it really set the tempo from there on. All right, so I've said all year long that what has marked this Red Bull team, and you would certainly know having covered them day in and day out, is that they're, this is a, a drama-free Red Bull team for the most part. This is a team that does not have that same sort of get-in-their-own-way kind of uh, character as, as previous Red Bull teams. Are they are they together enough? Is this 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 Marsh led uh, push to be a, a total team enough for them to overcome the two goal deficit at home on Sunday? Uh, I think without a question. I mean, I don't think you'll see uh, any any heads being hung low after that result. Obviously, they'll be disappointed. Uh, but it's a very tight knit group, not just on the field but off of it. They're very. Uh, it's a very much a family atmosphere, and like you you mentioned, there's no one guy that. You know, you know, supersedes everybody else, and everyone looks to. 
Uh, there's just a collection, a unit of, of leaders in that team. And I think together they'll come together. They'll, they'll you know, brush off that, that bad defeat. They'll kind of move past it. And they know what their job is. They're really back at home. They're very confident playing at home. Uh, and they, they've had some results in the past, you know, this season, I think maybe six or seven, that would have, you know, that would overturn this deficit. So, you know, they need to get a 2 nothing win. Uh, I think they're confident they can do it. Remember, this is the league's uh, best attack that scored the most goals in the league. So they'll be confident. They just need to uh, make sure they're ready to go from the opening whistle on the last week. In order to score goals to get themselves back and, and to look like the team that scored the most goals in the league, they need to get Bradley Wright Phillips involved. They certainly need to get Lloyd Sam involved. They need to have a better Mike Grella. How do they do that without losing their shape and causing a problem with space at the back that's going to leave Miazga and, and, and Zubar and, and Lawrence and, and Zizzo on an island? Well, that's, that's always the issue that you have. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about this high press and how it's worked wonders for the team, and it absolutely has. Uh, but it also tends to, it can leave you a little bit exposed to steam uh, against, you know, some good counterattacking teams with pace that, you know, when, when Red Bulls commit numbers forward, they leave themselves very exposed at the back and they can be vulnerable to a smash and grab. Uh, so I, I don't think we got enough uh, out of, you know, the wing play in terms of, you know, San Umbrella, as you mentioned. And Bradley Wright Phillips, I know he scored the, the serious clincher against DC, but he's been very much isolated throughout the playoffs. Uh, they need to get him going again. They need to make sure they get him touches on the ball. But the crew did a very good job of really denying him service. Uh, I thought Sam and, and Grillo were largely ineffective. I thought when Gonzalo Perón came on, he was able to add a little bit more. Uh, but I don't think Marshall will, will change anything up in terms of personnel. I think he'll be with his tried and true 11. Uh, they've gotten through the, the yellow card you know, nonsense. So they're, they're, they're set to go for that. Uh, but they really need to make sure their, their wings are are dictating the play because they were a little bit tentative, it looked like, on, on Sunday. So they need to get back to what they do best, as pressing high at the park, making things happen, going at defenders, which both, both Lloyd Sam and Mike Rell are very good at, and they need to start getting service into Bradley. Otherwise, they really don't have a shot. Yeah, you know, I'm looking at, right now I'm looking at MLSsoccer.com. They've got a, a list of some stats from the conference, uh, first leg of the conference finals, and a couple from the Red Bull. And, and you know, I'm not... I'm not a huge stats guy, Eric. I mean, I'll, I try to follow along. My math brain doesn't work very well. But I, I do enjoy a good stat that confirms what I think I saw. And here's a couple of things. McCarty, uh, Dax McCarty completed only 65.75% of his passes on Sunday. That's incredibly low for that particular guy. And even though the Red Bulls didn't win the game, even though they only fell 2 nothing. Um, they managed to keep the, the crew from being able to com- complete a, a high percentage of their passes, the lowest percentage of the year completion percentage-wise for the crew. Uh, it's, again, it's a, it's a matter of, of what happened with a couple of these key contributors, even though the press sort of did its job. Yeah, I, like, like I said, that's been their MO all year. They've, they're very good at denying, uh, denying teams the ability to make their pass to the final third. I think over the course of the 34 regular season games, uh, the Red Bulls had uh, the best rate in terms of uh, keeping opponents. Uh, I think their, their passing percentage in the attacking third was the lowest in all of MLS. So they, they make teams very uncomfortable in the attacking half. It's what they do best. Uh, but it was it really just came down to a couple key moments. Uh, you know, we talked about the nine second goal, and then uh, you know when Kamara's you know goal at the at the end there, really just poor defending all around. You, you see the the back line of four just kind of standing and watching. Yeah. And you know you have Felipe out out on an island. Uh, Miazga's ball watching Kamar just goes in and is able to tap it in. So it, it is a game of moments for me. I don't think the Red Bull played particularly poorly. I thought in the second half, uh, they looked like the better team. At times, they looked like the pendulum was swinging back their way. I thought they might be able to snatch an away goal, maybe go back to Red Bull in a 1-1, which would be a, a perfect result for them. 
Uh, but you know, like I said, it was it was just one or two moments that they, that they let themselves down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Dax McCarty described it as schoolboy defending, uh, and for him to have the, the lowest passing percentage in a Red Bulls jersey, mm-hmm. uh, that's shocking to me because he's been a rock all year in the midfield. Uh, he's been one of the most consistent contributors. So. I don't expect him to have another match like that uh, this Sunday. So no, I, should, I, he kind of he kind of dictates how the Red Bulls go. Absolutely, he he's that he's that that uh, rhythm setter back there, and, and and you imagine that things will be a little bit better. Uh, confidence will be a little bit higher. Energy will be a lot better going into a, a game at Red Bull Arena. We're expecting twenty seven thousand there. It's going to be loud. It's one of the loudest places in MLS, uh, partly because of the the way that place is designed. And when it's filled up, it's it's a great atmosphere. Um, give me a sense of, of what the anticipation is. Has Did the loss in Columbus take some of the sting out of what we're going to get from that crowd, or do you think this is going to be as raucous as ever? No, I think you're, you're going to get uh, you know, as loud of a crowd as you're going to hear. I mean, I think Red Bull Arena is, is one of the best atmospheres when you get attacked. Uh, and it, we, it's been confirmed that it will be a sellout. So this is a do-or-die matchup, and the fans know it, the players know it. And this is the first real time this Red Bull team has had their backs against the wall in a in a true must-win situation. You know, we, we like to say that these cliches as writers, we talk about that all the time. But this is a true must-win situation. And I think the fans will, will respond to that in kind. I mean, they, they've done it all year long. They, they spent, I think, about 500 fans at the Columbus, which is pretty remarkable. Uh, they're they're going to have a packed stadium full of Red Bull supporters. And they know this, this could be their last home match. So they're going to turn up. And with the chance to host MLS Cup, you know they're going to be yeah. you know, pushing the guys forward. And I think the team is going to respond because they really have no other choice but to do so. Yeah, look, I mean, Eric, uh, you're talking about the cliches we use as writers. We certainly buy into narratives sometimes that, that aren't always there. We kind of force some things just to tell the story. And the Red Bull story has been fascinating for 20 years. I mean, it's, uh, it's the, the curse of Caracalla. It's, it's, it's losing, you know, it's, it's failing to win a, a trophy up until the supporters shoot a couple years ago. It's still without an MLS Cup. And to have this team, look so good and feel so good after everything that happened with the town hall and, and, and Curtis and Marsh putting together a winner again it's been, it's been such a feel good story at Red Bull Arena to have it come down to this and potentially end with a chance at hosting MLS Cup I, I mean that would be, be another one of those la- that's so metro moments I just I can't even imagine that yeah I mean it, it, it's, it's been interesting because it's kind of been like a storybook uh kind of moment for this team in terms of, like you said, with, with the town hall and how far they've come and, you know, using that chip on their shoulder that's been in Montreal all years, proving the doubters wrong. So many people picked them to not even make the playoffs, you know, with NYCFC coming in with the big names. A lot of people had cast off the Red Bulls and, you know, running through the, the regular season, getting the supporters' shield, and now they're right back to where they were last year in the Eastern Conference Finals. And once again, they're, they're in a hole coming into the second leg, so... But I, I do think this team, if you contrast it with the 2013 supporter shield team, I do think this team is, uh, is more equipped uh, to deal with the rigors of the playoffs. And I think it's, it's down to that, that team mentality that we talked about earlier. Uh, you know, Dax McCarty and, and Luis Robles, others have, have mentioned uh, a lot of times this season that when they got into trouble, it was, you know, get the ball to Fieri, let him make some magic. And throughout this season, they've had to learn to, you know, to get themselves out of trouble because they don't have that release stop. They don't have that one special player that can make something out of nothing. So the whole season has been kind of a test for these kind of situations yeah. where they have their backs against the wall and they need to rely on only themselves. So back at home where they're you know a much better side, I do think they'll rise to the occasion. I just don't know if it'll be enough to overcome two goal deficits. Yeah, give me a give me a sense of what kind of um, you know what kind of skill set Jesse Marsh has to deal with this moment. I mean, clearly his philosophy, his his tactics have worked all year long. 
But but being an excellent, being a, a, a championship winning head coach is not always just about setting out a philosophy. It's 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 about these particular moments, getting your team ready to play, having them not uh, not only in a good position to win based on on strategy and, and lineups and everything, but also you know there, there's got to be some sort of energy that comes from your head coach. Is Jesse Marsh the guy for that? Uh, yeah, I think without a doubt. I mean, there's there's no question in my mind that he'll have these guys up and ready for it. Uh, he's one of the most fiery, passionate coaches I've been around. Uh, he, he'll he'll make sure that these guys won't have a start like they did in Columbus. Uh, the concern now is that you have to face with you know playing a crew team that that really has it all to play for and it's all in their hands. So they don't have any reason to come out of their shells per se. They can really absorb some pressure. They also have guys on Sauer coming back into the center of the defense, so that's an upgrade there over Tyson Wall. So it makes their job even more difficult to try to overturn this result. So it's up to Jesse Marsh to kind of figure out what went wrong in the first leg. How do we get our you know, attacking players more involved? How do we get Bradley back into this match? Because obviously they need to score. I think they need to score early if they want to get back into this one. If it's nil-nil at halftime and they're still chasing the game, it'll be so much easier for Greg Berhalter to say, you know, we'll shut up shop, hold what we have. We're very happy to, to end this one nil nil because yeah. they'll be going into MLS Cup and the Red Bulls will once again but, be out of it. You know, when you say that, Eric, I mean, my mind immediately goes to when Columbus in, in during the season has tried to shut up, to shut down, you know, to to shut down another team through um, through sitting back and absorbing pressure. That they're not built for that. I mean, very much like the Red Bulls have to high press to be effective. I think Columbus has an issue with uh, going into a shell. They're not built to do that. Uh, and and it it kind of fights against their very nature, and maybe that actually plays into the Red Bulls' hands. I mean, I don't know that any of the players are going to say that within the the Red Bulls' camp, or if if Marsh is going to address it. But you have to imagine that they sort of want the 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 crew to play outside of themselves, outside of their normal style, because then they're uncomfortable, and that gives the Red Bulls a better chance. Yeah, I do think it, in, that's exactly why the Red Bulls do have a chance. I mean, if you looked at the possible opponents. Uh, you know, the crew, I think, are, are very like-minded in the way that they play with the Red Bulls, but I think the Red Bulls are more balanced. I think they have, uh, you know, more strength from top to bottom, whereas the crew have a very potent offense, as we know, with, with Kamara and Finley and Iguain, but they're a little bit suspect at the back. So if they can manage to get uh, a quick goal, if they can manage to press them high up the park, make them uncomfortable. I mean, we saw in the, well, their last matchup at Red Bull Arena, uh, Steve Clark was forced into two bad mistakes that gifted the Red Bulls two goals and, and led them to a win there. So if they can make them uncomfortable at the back, make them try to, you know, make some, some passes they're not used to making, and then they can jump all over them. And if they can set the tone for minute one and really show them, you know, this is our house, we're going to play in front of our fans, we're going to make this very difficult for you, uh, then I think they have a, a good shot at, at, at making it up. It's just, it's a big ask when you're, when you're considering they need to get the two goals, and they really can't concede an away goal because then that would force them to score four, and yeah. that's a huge, huge ask. Yeah, the, the away goal is looming large in these playoffs. It, it's already made its presence felt uh, throughout the, the postseason, and it's going to do it again here. Um, we, we, so we, we're talking about the crowd. It, it's a sellout. It's going to be loud. It's going to be great in terms of atmosphere, and certainly you imagine the Red Bulls are going to want to ride, ride that wave. Um, I just read um, some. I read uh, sort of an interview with Dan Dickinson, who you know certainly, uh, from Gothamist with Howard Megdal. And, and, and Dan was addressing sort of the popularity of the Red Bulls and, and NYCFC's business and, and everything else, uh, Eric. From your perspective, you know, again, this is a Red Bulls team that doesn't have a Terry Henry but has had a lot of success and, and already won a trophy. Is there any ground being made uh, in, in terms of or being gained in terms of the, the popularity, the notoriety of the team within the, within the city? I mean, we know it's difficult. 
Um, soccer's always got a hard road to hoe, but is there something happening? Yeah, I, I think so. Just based on you know talking with you know family, friends, or you know just walking out in the street and hearing people talk about soccer, it, it's much more so now than even five years ago. And it's specifically in terms of MLS, I, I mean, I, I've overheard I've overheard people talking about NYCFC and the Red Bull. Uh, so you know, obviously, NYCFC I think uh, has made a huge splash, even though they they obviously didn't show so well uh, at Yankee Stadium this year in terms of their their results, uh, but. The fact that they're even in this market, it brings some more eyes. Their big names brings eyes to MLS. And in turn, uh, the Red Bulls, I do think, uh, get a little bit of profit off of that. I, I think they, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, they've done better at the gate this year than last year with Thierry Henry. So there is, uh, there is uh, I think, a culture shift going on in this country uh, and in, in this town in particular. People are taking notice. And this town, they, they love a winner. So uh, when, when, they, when they're playing a lot better, they're going to have you know, more sellers. They're going to have more people come to the games. Uh, but I, at the end of the day, I do think NYCSC is still, you know, the, the new shiny toy, so to speak. And they'll, they'll still go into the headlines. They still have the big names. Uh, but I think the Red Bulls kind of feel the residual effects of that. And, it, it, you know, it helps them out a little bit. Yeah, if, you, if you're interested in this, uh, this uh, little chat uh, with Dan Dickinson that I mentioned, by the way, Dan, I'm sure is listening right now. Uh, it's at Capital New York. Howard Megdal writing this up. And, and, and again, you know, th- this, is, this is a sport and, and, a, and a league that is – always in growth mode or trying to grab uh, more attention. And in a place like New York, it's, cri- it's critical. Uh, and I've already posed the question, Eric. I mean, certainly you want to see the Red Bulls make the, the MLS Cup, not because of a bias, but because you'd be able to go right there in your backyard to an MLS Cup final. Um, I'd love to see it. I think Red Bull Arena would be a great venue. At the same time, if the Red Bulls make MLS Cup final, they're playing just a, a couple of hours ahead of, or a couple of hours after, excuse me, um, the Jets and the Giants are playing at the Meadowlands. There's, there's obviously a lot of other sporting events. I mean, I'm sure the, the Rangers and the Knicks and the Nets will all be doing things. The, the Devils just, uh, on that side of the river as well. I, when you consider MLS Cup in New York, is that, is that a big deal? I mean, would it be a big deal? I was actually just talking with this with a couple of the writers and how unfortunate it is that they're going up against Jets Giants because, you know, I think MLS Cup would be a big deal. It, it would make a splash. But going up against a game like that, that happens only every four years, I believe, uh, it's going to be tough. I mean, all the, the big newspapers are going to send, you know, a columnist out to the Meadowlands. And, you know, I'm sure the, the MLS Cup will get some coverage, uh, but it won't be as much as if, you know, if it was any other NFL game. Uh, but that's just the reality of the world that we live in. I mean, we, we know where, where soccer stands in terms of the, the U.S. sports landscape. It's very far down the totem pole from the, from the big four. And it still has some ground to make up, but I have been encouraged just by, you know, the way that this game has been embraced by, by common fans. And every World Cup, I think you see more and more fans, you know, bandwagon fans, so to speak, that just watch the U.S. You know, they, they get into it, you know, with the, the whole national team. And they, they might pick up a team in England. They might watch the Premier League. And then they'll transition to MLS. So I think slowly but surely we're, we're definitely making headway in terms of the popularity of the sport. Uh, but it, it, it is a little bit unfortunate that the Red Bulls have to go up against that because, you know, it's just it's just not going to get the uh, the amount of eyes and the amount of attention that I think it deserves. All right, well, let's not focus on the negative here. Let's uh, let's maybe focus on the positive. And my brain immediately <laughs> goes to another friend of the show, Mark Fishkin, and and guys like him who have been around for twenty years, who who had season tickets at the old Giant Stadium, uh, watching a terrible you know watching a team play on terrible surfaces with uh, you know fifteen thousand people in a seventy five thousand seat stadium. What would it mean to the long tortured? 
Red Bull fan base. Just again, maybe not to win it because that's that's a, a task that they have ahead of them, and you know, just getting there. What what would getting there mean to have it at Red Bull Arena after the long wait they had for that place to be open? Oh, it would be massive. I mean, to to have a place to call their own was huge in and of itself back in uh, 2010. And, you know, they've only been to one MLS Cup. That was back in 2008 against this very crew team. And uh, they, they were out in, in Carson, California. So uh, to host it at Red Bull Arena, I, I challenge you to, to find a, a better atmosphere in MLS because that place would be packed to the rafters as loud as I'm sure you'd ever hear it. Uh, I, I think this, this fan base is, is dying for an opportunity for that. Uh, to, to see this team evolve over the course of 34 games, to earn that right to host MLS Cup due to the Supporters' Shield, it, it would be huge for these long-suffering fans, as you mentioned, guys that have been around since 96, guys that have, you know, sat in 95% empty giant stadiums for, you know, the majority of the Metro Stars' existence and playing on these, these horrible pitches throughout America and to see that the growth of uh, the way MLS has come along with soccer-specific soccer stadiums and, you know, it, for, for them to be able to call Red Bull Arena their own and host the MLS Cup, it would be so gratifying for these fans that have stuck around, yeah. especially in the wake of NYCSC, when it could have been so easy for, you know, after the whole Petke saga and the big stars going away from the club, it would have been very easy to jump ship and, and go over to, to NYCSC with the promise of, you know, star power and, you know, all this big money investing. Uh, for for the, the fans that have stuck by for so long, who's thick and thin to be rewarded with an MLS Cup final, I think it would mean the world to them. Maybe some celebrities showing up at Red Bull Arena. Certainly, as you said, the fans. Uh, you know, there was a MLSsoccer.com uh, put together a fantastic video uh, profiling the, the the supporters groups for the Red Bulls, going back to the to ES, uh, ESC, who has been around since before the Red Bull, uh, before Metro Stars even kicked off uh, in 1996. Uh, they they had a season under their belt, supporting a team to get ready. I think the New York Centaurs or somebody ridiculous like that. Uh, Eric Giacometti joining us from MLSsoccer.com. Uh, again, the Red Bulls have a big task in front of them. They they do have a hole, but I think if any team is equipped to figure this out, it, it's probably them. Um, Eric, I don't. I'm not going to ask you for a prediction. I mean, this is uh, this is a, as you said, this is about moments. Um, if you're going to pick a guy though that that you think needs to be the star that needs to step up and, and have a big day in order for them to succeed. I mean, do you put it on somebody like Grella who's been under the radar all year or do you give it, you know, do you put that, that burden on, on Bradley Wright Phillips who's supposed to carry the goal burden? Who is it? Uh, I actually think it's arguably their team MVP all year. And that's not a question. I mean, he's, he's evolved so much in the way that he's taken on that number 10 mantle in, in, in his position, uh, not a, a, you know, a creative player, uh, you know, attacking midfielder, uh, by nature, but the way that he's adapted to this role, uh, he played a lot more, you know, a deep lying midfielder in his time at Anderlecht. And for, for Jesse to come in and, and put that burden on him to, you know, be the fulcrum right underneath the forward to kind of make things go, uh, he started off a little bit slow and then oh, just turned it on and has been, you know, maybe the most important player all year. So I think if the Red Bulls have any shot in this return leg, like, uh, he needs to, you know, make sure he gets on the ball as much as possible, uh, find, find his wing, uh, wingers up the pitch. Get Bradley Wright Phillips involved, as we said, he really needs to get going. Uh, but he's been at the heart of, of so much that the Red Bulls have done going forward. Uh, he's very calm on the ball, very composed. He can pick out a pass. Uh, he can finish. So he needs to be uh, very much involved from you know, minute one. And if they can get him on the ball, they can get him some touches early on, kind of let him dictate the game. 
get him on the front foot, I think that would go a long way to, to making it the desperate. All right, there you go. Go follow Eric on Twitter, Eric underscore Giacometti, G-I-A-C-O-M-E-T-T-I. Did I get it right? Close? There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, covers the Red Bulls for, uh, for MLSsoccer.com, um, uh, alumni of Empire of Soccer. Great guy. Appreciate the time, Eric, very much. Uh, looking forward to Sunday. We'll see what happens. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Jason. So there goes Eric. Good stuff from him. We will step aside. We'll come back. Yanis Mahalik will join us in just a minute. You know him from, well, pretty much everywhere. We'll talk Champions League, maybe some MLS playoffs as well with Yanis. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. All right, it's already been a fantastic program, but we're going to get it even better here with Yanis Mihalik, who joins us now to talk. Uh, we'll, we'll talk Champions League. We may uh, we may all, uh, also wander into the MLS Cup playoff area. I'm sure Yanis has plenty of observations on uh, these conference finals. Yanis, how are you? I am doing well, Jason. What's going on? How's your morning? That's a long day, right? You have soccer morning on eleven on Sirius after that. That's that's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, uh, it, it'll be okay. It's it's going to be a fine day. Uh, of, uh, I, I was talking about this, Yadish. When when Thanksgiving comes around, the the week of Thanksgiving, those three uh-huh. days ahead of the holiday are hard days to get yourself motivated for. Luckily, luckily we have some interesting things to talk about. I mean, it's again the Champions League, certainly MLS Cup playoffs. I'm seeing. Some quotes from Michael Bradley on Twitter that I want to address later. There's a, a lot to go over. So let's let's start with the Champions League. When you when you look at the schedule today and, and you consider the, the you know whether or not any of these games have a particular impact on the standings in these groups or uh, could uh, see teams qualify. Where 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 does your eye immediately go? Well, you have to say with Arsenal uh, and Chelsea, don't you? Uh, because you two, you have two massive clubs that that I still think are in, in trouble. I mean, you know, uh, you look at the Arsenal, what they've done in Chelsea. We talk about Premier League. We talk about all the money. We talk about how good they are or how good, you know, their fans think they are. You know, we have that friendly war across the pond, don't we, right? And yet, uh, you know, you look at Arsenal, what they've made, uh, they, they've come out of group stages last 15 years, and this is the first time they may not, you know, still in their hands to a degree, but, you know, they need Bayern Munich and their help, uh, help as well. And, and, you know, considering that once again, they have million, you know, players injured, you know, have the squad. Um, God only knows why that happens every year uh, to them. Um, you know, makes you wonder. Having said that, you know, Arsenal has got to win this game. They've been disappointed over the weekend against West Brom, but, you know, I mean, if you can't beat Dinamo Zagreb at home, yes, I know they've lost to them in the first game. <laughs> That's why they're in this place to begin with, but they've got to win it. Uh, it'd be tricky for Chelsea, I think, uh, with Maca- away to Maccabi Tel Aviv. They, they're out. You know, they haven't, they haven't gotten a point, but, you know, with the, the way Chelsea are playing, you just never know. Yeah, I mean that's um up and down obviously. Things seems to have stabilized just a bit there for Jose Mourinho, but I mean it it doesn't it doesn't seem like they're going in a great direction yet. And, and yet here they are, second place in the group and if they take care of their business against a Maccabi team with zero points, Yanish, then then they'll feel pretty good about their chances to advance. 
They should. I mean, it, it looked better against Norwich. The the result may be not indicative of that, Jason, right? But I mean, I think I thought you know you saw you know like Eden Hazard had an extra step. Uh, you know, this mm-hmm. sort of Eden Hazard that that we saw last season, I suppose. Everybody else uh, looked calmer. Of course, winning will give you that a little bit, but still unsettled. You know, Jose Mourinho, as much as I like him, you know, and and respect him in many ways, continues to continues to chat about just about everything. You know, piped in on Leicester now uh, and. And and you know a bit of a row with uh, I think Graham Lasso and and just you know I, I mean the more I see this the more I think it's it, it's about him and not about his players and not protecting them uh, so you just never know uh, I I'm not shocked that he got the benefit of the doubt of the, over the international uh, uh, week you know many thought that maybe that was the time to let him go uh, he he's he's not out of the woods uh, for sure uh, and just Chelsea's just an unsettled team and and it should never have been this way with uh, you know with the, you know with that sort of club it should be a lot calmer even if the results don't go their way I I, I still think that Mourinho is uh, front and center and that that never should be the case never with a manager of any club well I mean that that seems to be as you said seems to be the way that he operates though and and regard sometimes again that sometimes that's uh, deflection from his players to take the pressure off of them bring bring it to I mean maybe ego as well Giannis I mean it's probably a little bit of both. Uh, yeah. But, but it doesn't always work. Um, so, again, Chelsea, Maccabee Tel Aviv today, uh, they, they, they've got seven points. They look fairly fairly good if they can take care of, of Maccabee. Uh, again, a team with zero points in the group so far. Uh, yeah. Arsenal, we already talked about. Manchester United, right now, uh, um, that's, not, uh, that's not, not, not today. I believe that's tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But we can, tomorrow. we can obviously look ahead till to, to tomorrow as well. Um, when you look at Manchester United and they're they're in second place in the league, they're leading their Champions League group. They they went away to Watford and won without a striker for the most part. Uh-huh. Uh, no no Rooney no Martial, and yet I'm not convinced. It doesn't even seem like Louis Van Hall's convinced right now. Yes, uh, but but look, I mean, there again, there's a team that that lost a couple of players so over the weekend, haven't they? Phil Jones and and uh, Andre Herrera, uh, I think, are out. Uh, Juan Mata's questionable, but. You know, they're getting a couple of the players back, like Rooney, like Martial, you know, and the, the pie, what a big goal that was for him, right? I mean, he's played well, and he, he's been in the doghouse. So, you know, that's important. Again, you know, you look at United, they had two home games, uh, if my memory serves right, uh, at home. And I think, you know, that's that's the time that they have to take care of uh, uh, business. And uh, and again, like Arsenal, this is a team that lost in the first leg to PSV. PSV is missing, you know, a couple key players uh, for them. Uh, Maxime Lestien has been out for a long time. He's been the goal scorer. Manchester United will take care of business. Look, the, the one thing I like against uh, I like about United and, and Van Gaal, and there are plenty that I don't like about Van Gaal. I, I'm not, you know, a big fan of him in general, but uh, he's disciplined, he's created a good defensive structure, which if you remember was a huge issue, you know, on the Moyes and, you know, even, you know, for the last couple of years uh, I, I think that's what gets him through and, and, and as I've said before uh, you know, a bit of a mea culpa to, uh, to uh, um, you know, to Sir Alex Ferguson, because remember when we used to talk about Phil Jones and Smalling, you know, young players, why they pay so much? We've never seen him play because they've been injured or not playing well. I mean, how good have they been? Smalling and even Phil Jones coming back and now injured again, it 
it seems. Uh, you know, two young players that finally maybe you kind of see that uh, center-back combination, you know, when you had Rio and, and you had uh, Vidic, if you remember, maybe they're growing into that. And they haven't been conceding. I think that's important when you build a team all over again. They're deep. Again, when they miss players, uh, um, they can replace them. Look, I think Manchester United are on the right uh, path. Now, where, you know, is Van Gaal going to take them there? I'm not 100% sure, but I think he's doing the right job in terms of uh, being a good, you know, building a good core of players and good philosophy of, of you know, defending. And you know, I think the attacking part, he'll get it eventually. There's just yeah. too many good players out there not to get it, Jason. Fair enough. Um, by the way, in that group, uh, with, uh, with, I, uh, with PSV visiting Manchester United, as you said, you, you, you believe they'll take care of business Manchester United. Um, uh, PSV is tied on, on points with Wolfsburg in that group, and Wolfsburg's away to CSK Moscow. So that's a massive match for both of those teams to try to separate themselves and grab something to, to, get, into, uh, to get into a qualification place, uh, Janusz. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's a lottery there because you look at, I mean, three teams, with, you know, all teams within the shot, really. Uh, mm -hmm. So so I suppose it's game by game. Uh, PSV's got Tesca uh, uh, on the last game. Wolfsburg's got Manchester United at home. They'll most likely will have to beat United there. Uh, look, uh, uh, today, I, I think Tesca and Wolfsburg... You know, looks like a draw, smells like yeah. a draw. Uh, uh, but I, I have a, a small feeling that Cesca might take care of business right there to make that interesting, to set it up for the last week. You know, as I said, PSV, I like the way they play. They're just a couple players short right now. Uh, if I would have to say, I mean, that's, that's one team. <laughs> that's in trouble, but but you know they are at home to to test God. They get something, you know, uh, out of this game against Manchester United, then I'll give them a chance. But if they yeah. don't, and maybe too desperate uh, in this game, Tesca, I'm going to go on on the edge here, uh, beating Wolfsburg here. Okay, uh, let's let's look at Group C, uh, Group D because that's where the uh, the blue team from Manchester is. They're right now leading <laughs> Group D um, on nine points, a point ahead of Juventus. They have Juventus on the road in Turin. Um, tomorrow, and this the city team lost to Juventus at home at the Etihad, where apparently they they're just not that great. They got crushed by Liverpool on the weekend. Giannis, what do we what do we expect out of City? Because you know that they are a conundrum. Yes, they are, and and again, we've seen how poor they are without Vincent Company. I suspect that he he it looks like he may be ready for them. Obviously, David Silva is a big big loss for them. Uh, he is a possibility. I think this is a sort of match because Champions League means so much to Manchester City. And to be fair to them, they're top of the group, so uh, I think we're going to see uh, a team that's maybe better than we saw against uh, Liverpool. But something's up. I mean, you can't be losing to Liverpool at home like this. You can't be lo losing four one to Spurs in the league, and uh, you know I. Remember a game against West Ham in the league where they lost at home 2-1, but it could have been 4-1 or 5-1. So, but at their best, we've seen how you know how how good they can be, especially with Aguero back. Look, look at him; just scored after missing seven weeks. Uh, I guess immediately in that game against Liverpool, uh, Juventus. I just commentated Juventus against Milan. They're getting back to you know to where they should be. Uh, I think again, Juventus are favorites uh, for me here. City will be, I think, you know, if you look at them, they'll be very happy with uh, with a draw away here. Uh, I suspect that this this will be a draw here. Mm -hmm. All right, fair enough. Uh, there on uh, in Group D with Manchester City and Juventus, um, uh, Sevilla, Mönchengladbach are the other two teams in that group. Just to give them a mention, uh, and, and right now there's a gap. There's a big enough gap that that City and Juventus can not see this out. I mean, you know, a, a draw would probably do them fine in that particular game. Um, 
Uh, let's see. Let's. I'm, I'm looking at these other groups. Um, Giannis, and what it strikes me is, well, okay, I, I suppose, you know, Bayern Munich having lost to Arsenal makes that a little bit of a more interesting group, but mm-hmm. we expect Bar, uh, Bayern Munich to, 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 to go ahead and coast to a, a qualification out of Group F, and Olympiacos is the other team right now on nine points, having um, uh, having three wins out of four. That's uh, that's pretty strong for them. Bayern and Olympiacos, so I imagine it, you know the Germans are going to be favored, but is there any chance at all for the Greek team to get something out of that match? No, no, I don't think so. I mean, you know, on paper, you see, you've seen what they've done with Arsenal. You think they may. Bayern Munich won 3-0. They're easily, they're uh, uh, crowd troubles there as well. A Bayern Munich fans will remember mm-hmm. that. They'll, you know, even though it seems like, a, you know, I don't want to say meaning, meaningless uh, game, but it is to Bayern to a degree. I think they're going to they're gonna make a statement here. They want to finish top of that group. Every team wants to finish top because, you know, the quality of the teams and some surprises, you you know, you never know who, who you're going to play uh, in the second place. There'll be some big teams finishing second, and you don't want, you don't want to have that, uh, you know, uh, uh, in the next game in the knockout stage. So uh, uh, Bayern easily here over Olympiacos. Okay, uh, uh, just uh, one of the more interesting storylines out of this particular round is uh, the return of uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic to, to Malmo. Yanish uh, uh, Malmo's got basically no hope out of Group A. Uh, PSG right now on seven points through four matches, uh, three points back of Real Madrid. This, you know, looks like for all the world a, a win, like uh, a win for PSG. But the emotions of going back to Malmo, where he started for Zlatan, I imagine that's going to be pretty, pretty heavy for him. Uh, I think so. I think so. But you know, I mean, if you look at his personality, I mean, it doesn't—he doesn't give you an appearance that he cares much about anything, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, it's not the sort of player that I imagine uh, uh, that any sort of pressure gets to him. I think that's what makes him special, isn't it? Uh, uh, you know, maybe aloof sometimes, but you know, players at that level have to be that. You know, some of the greatest players, and some show it more, and others don't. But you have to have that sense of worth, right? I mean, you know, I'm Zlatan type of thing. That's why we like him. I think he does it in a, in a pretty good way, uh, I actually think. I never hold it against him, Jason. So uh, I don't think there's going to be any pressure for him. I think he's going to enjoy it. You know, this is obviously a meaningful game for him and a club that, that he loves. And, and who knows? Some still say that there may be a possibility where, that he's going to end up there uh, or in his career. So uh, I don't see this as a problem for him. In fact, I think he's going to be at his best, which we've seen, again, not just for PSG, but, you know, in that uh, European Championship playoffs against Denmark. I mean, how superb was he? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, just in, in Group C, just a, a quick mention before we move on, I'm going to talk to, uh, talk to you about some, some MLS playoff storylines as well, Janusz. Um, Atletico Madrid is in a, is in a good position to, to qualify. Um, they, uh, they're in second place behind Benfica in Group C. And obviously they made that run to the final a couple of years back, and it was, um, it was a big story. Uh, they, don't seem capable under Diego Simeone to to be uh, to challenge for the La Liga title this particular season. But is there any reason to believe they might have a champ a deep Champions Run uh, League run in them? I think they could. I think you know things may be changing a little bit. With you know with the Barca Real Madrid uh, result, you know I mean sometimes you look at the table and and you know early in the season you were looking at two teams that maybe you know unreachable, right? Certainly Real Madrid. I mean before this Bar you know Barca result, I mean they haven't lost a game there. So now all of a sudden Atleti is in the second place, and I think when you play you kind of look at that, right? And and you know I don't want to overblow it, but every time I remember as a player I looked at the table and the teams moved 
moved up and all of a sudden you're looking at it and, and some possibilities open. So I think this was a huge weekend in La Liga for them. And I think even though that group is not done and dusted, uh, Benfica seemed to be doing well in the Champions League, not so much in, in Primera in their, in their league. But I think Atletico Madrid may just be capable uh, uh, because, I mean, you look at, you know, Jackson Martinez, who won't be playing, I think, you know, he hasn't been the sort of Jackson Martinez that we remember from Porto, but I think he'll break, you know, uh, they are at home, right, against Galatasaray. So I think they get the three points here, mm-hmm. which will be plenty uh, uh, for them, I think, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess they have Benfica on, on the last leg here. But I, I think Atletico Madrid, you know, look, nobody's going to challenge Barcelona for the title. I don't believe that. Yeah. Not just because yeah. of this result. Uh, but I think Atleti, in this competition, the way they play with Diego Simeone, uh, are always a threat because I think they're so well balanced. They can park the bus. They can they can score goals. I mean, they have so much talent on that team. So, uh, again, I'm not going to sit here and tell you they're going to win the Champions League, but I do think they can have a run if the, you know, if the matchups are right. All right, Giannis, let's talk a little MLS Cup playoffs. Let's talk about your old club, the Columbus Crew. They have a 2 nothing lead on uh, on the New York Red Bulls going into the second leg at Red Bull Arena on Sunday. We just got done talking to Eric Giacometti, who covers the Red Bulls. And, and if there's a team in MLS in 2015 that seems capable of turning this deficit over and, and, and at least pushing it to extra time, maybe even winning it, it does seem like it's the Red Bulls. But I, I imagine you have to be pretty impressed with, with what Greg Berhalter has done with Columbus because they are committed to – a particular style that maybe is even outside the bounds of what we usually see in MLS. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and look, I mean, you, I, you know, it's easy to make a case for just about every team here because, you know, uh, quite frankly, I'm sure I'm going to get an argument, but I mean, these are the right four teams at this stage of the season. I, I think they're, I mean, if you look at them, there are not a lot of weaknesses. They're pretty well balanced uh, for the most part, yeah. I think. But, but for me, the crew, I could easily make an argument, is the best team left in terms of how they play. Uh, you know, it's a total game. You know, they're, 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 they can spread you out just, you know, a, a little bit. They're, they're well balanced. They, you know, in Higuain, they have a player that if Red Bull allow him to do what they did in the first uh, leg, forget about it. I mean, it's over already. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't believe the way Red Bull uh, allowed Iguain so much time on the ball and so much, uh, so much space. Again, I don't suppose that uh, Red Bull can have a bag, two bad games like this because that was a disaster. I mean, 2-0, uh, I think they ought to be happy with that one because when you have five or six key players non-existent in a game, uh, you don't deserve to, uh, to get anything out of it. And that was the case with the Red Bull. I don't think Jesse Marsh will allow that. However, having said that, you know, Columbus, look, you have a hot striker. You know, you need that at this stage, right? You have a very, you know, you have a decent goalkeeper. The back line is strong. I, I think this Columbus team, I had them in losing in the final this, this year mm-hmm. ahead of the playoffs. Uh, since Seattle's gone now, I'm not truly <laughs> regretting that decision, but obviously with a little bias, hoping that they'll get it done. Look, they're good. They're a good team on the road, which we've seen already. There was a, a month ago, right, Jason? They, I think they won like three or four straight on the road. And in fact, the way they play, I think they're better on the road than they are at home. So I think that Red Bull really have to worry about that uh, that game here. Do you, do you think that there's any danger, though, for, for Columbus? They they did go through a stretch where they literally couldn't stop anybody. They were they were just giving up goals left and right, Yanish. And, and 
maybe they've maybe uh, Burhalter's figured out some more of that balance. Um, certainly, Will Trap coming back after an injury layoff was was a big help to them. Uh, but they are a team that has to go forward to be effective, in my mind. If if they have a two a two goal lead in an aggregate series, and your instinct is to sit back. Uh, defend in numbers, make the Red Bulls break you down, but you're not good at, at, at defending in numbers. You're not good at sitting back. You're actually a better team going forward with that mentality. How do you do that if you're Greg Be- Be- Berhalter in this uh, game? Transition. If you if you remember, Jason, I'm, and I know you do, uh, uh, you know, if you remember the first leg, the first 15, 20 minutes, uh, yeah. the Red Bull didn't actually play bad. But no. if you remember, the transitional game from Columbus was outstanding. On the break, they were so quick. You know, you know, transition uh, for me, there's different kinds of it, but not to get too deep into that. Uh, I think that they got forward two or three passes, and that's something they can do from that midfield. You know, Will Trapp can do it. Iguain when he drops deep, and you have Finley on the outside. Uh, look, they're very quick, and I think, you know, I don't think they're going to be sitting back, but I think they're real dangerous to, uh, danger to quickly worry Red Bull, who, who, who will have to take some risks. Maybe not right away, but they will have to take those risks, and I consider, uh, I consider Columbus a team, you know, I wouldn't say they're a counterattacking team, but they're a team that are very, very uh, quick to break, so I don't necessarily think that, that that's, that's a Columbus team that's going to be uh, uh, sitting, uh, it's going to be cynical here. Uh, look, whatever happened in the season doesn't matter now, if you yeah. can't take advantage of a two-nail lead, Jason, yeah. Yeah, uh, right. then don't, you don't belong. I don't yeah. think they're going to miss that opportunity. I really don't, and I respect Red Bull. Uh, they're fully capable of, of scoring two goals and not conceding, or maybe scoring even three goals. But I have a feeling that Columbus are scoring there, and 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 that's going to be the end of that. You know, and, and the way that the Western Conference uh, first leg played out, the the crew have in front of them, and I can't remember the order of games on Sunday. They obviously don't go off at the same time. The crew have everything to play for in terms of hosting MLS Cup final, because if Portland sees out FC Dallas, the final will be in Columbus. That would obviously be a big event, a big event yeah, for the. Yeah, and Columbus they'll know game. it. Yeah, because I'm looking at it. The Dallas Portland game is the first. game. Okay, so they have uh, they, they they would know whether or not they have an opportunity. I mean, they they obviously want to win the game or win the series mm-hmm. regardless, but they would have that extra carrot. And, and flipping over to the Western Conference, Janish, um, with the Portland. Uh, you know, three one, and and really, it's that last goal. It's it's the Nat Borchers goal. I put a little bit of that on Jesse Gonzalez, who has been otherwise fantastic mm-hmm. for FC Dallas. If not for that goal, we may even give FC Dallas um, a pretty significant edge here at at home, where they don't lose. They play very well um, at, at Toyota Field or whatever it's called. I can't remember which one it is. Uh, they, but but they still have a shot here. It's, it's just it's just a long way to go down too. Yeah, I mean, I get a feeling that this is going to be again one of those crazy games. I think you know. I was looking at that game towards the end, and you thought Dallas, you know, Dallas was still pushing, which I think was a mistake. I think it's their nature, of course, uh, 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 you know, but I thought at 2-1, I would have cut my losses, and, and I don't necessarily think they were trying. You know, and some will say, well, why? You know, why not look for the equalizer, this, that, or the other? But fair. I could even make a case, you know, it's going to sound crazy, but I think you understand what I mean. When it was 2-1 late, I almost thought that Portland should have been satisfied with that. You understand why they won the third goal, and I'm, I'm not questioning that. But the game was so wide open that if I'm the manager of either club, I would have been saying, this is crazy, because that can go either way any second of the game. That's how these two teams played the first leg. And I think the second leg, for the most part, is going to be just like that, because Dallas doesn't know any better. We've seen how good they are at home, what they can do. Uh, relentless in, you know, not just the Seattle series, but, you know, it's been, it's been unbelievable. So I think this is wide open. 
I like the balance of Portland much better. I think what Caleb Porter has done this season, it wasn't all that rosy, as you remember. I mean, there were yeah. many questions and continue to be questions about Caleb, but, you know, changing the style of play, this, that, or the other. But I think he's got a very, very well-balanced team. And let's not forget, you know, a couple of pieces like Valeri not being in that game, even Wallace. I mean, yeah. you know, Wallace yeah. can give you a lot, you know, at a given time for 20 minutes from the start. I mean, you can play him every which way. So, uh, you know, uh, you know, Chara, to me, a different player in the center of the pitch. You know, he used to wander everywhere. I, I used to never know what position does he play in that midfield. I asked uh, uh, Caleb Porter, and he says, yeah, he's got to be more composed, which he is, right? Yeah, I think Ridgewell is out, right? I mean, that's pretty... I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I was told it was it was tightness. It seems to be a recurring mm-hmm. thing after he, he broke his leg a couple years back. So I don't, I don't know what his status is. And that's obviously really big for them because the drop from Ridgewell to Paparato is significant, Janish. Yeah, he, I mean, he considered immediately they scored on him. Uh, uh, that's for sure. So psychologically, that's important, uh, of course. And, and look, look Borchers, we all know how important he has been to that defense in Portland that hasn't been, you know, last year we've talked about in the year before, defensively they were poor. But I also think that Borchers made Ridgewell better. You know, Ridgewell finally felt like he's got someone next to him where he can play and maybe take some risks. So that is important. Look, Villafania for me, that's best left back in the league okay, you know wow. you can make it you know francis i suppose but you know th- his development is absolutely outstanding and even powell who you know was somewhat questionable in that first leg but i still think that you know i used to think of him that this is the only player you know he only goes forward and he's good mm-hmm. at that but defensively i think he's gotten a little bit better so this portland team is m- m- you know better balanced than dallas i suppose and you're absolutely right jason that that third goal plays a huge role it takes a lot of pressure off portland yeah. And Portland had, uh, I think they tied for the most clean sheets in MLS in 2015, so they, they certainly know how to shut things down. Again, it, it may depend on whether or not uh, Liam Ridgewell can go or they have to lean on Paparato. Or you could imagine maybe even Caleb Porter in that moment saying, okay, look, we, we've got Will Johnson available. Maybe we slide somebody like Jack Dewsbury to the back line just because of his, his, his experience. Um, his understanding, he, uh, he, he's not a natural center back by any stretch, Giannis, but he's certainly a guy you could uh, imagine but, doing a listen, decent job. You, you're making a perfect point, and, and I, I thought about it a little bit. You know, I'm not sure, but I, I'm glad that you said it because it, it just con- confirms in my mind that I'm not crazy. Uh, uh, but yes, I will. I, you know, we know Will, you know, Will Johnson, you know, he may be gone and this, that, or the other, but I think he's been in a tremendous form as of late. And I watched the Canadian game, the first game against Honduras. He was very, very good. I think this is a player that you may want to uh, utilize because of what he, you know, how much he understands that midfield. I think playing alongside uh, Chara won't be a problem for him at all. Uh, he, you know, he was a captain of the, is he still a captain? I can't even remember. I thought he was. But anyway. When, when he, when he uh, you plays, know, I believe he's still a captain. Experience, yeah. I think that if, if Ridgewell is not a go, what you're saying, uh, uh, I would blindly do it, and it's a, it's yeah. a great point, Jason. Yanis yeah. Mihalik, you can find him, well, doing games pretty much all over the place. Go follow him on Twitter. Yanis Mihalik, I'm not going to spell it for you. Just type in Yanis, you'll probably find him. J-A-N-U-S-Z, I believe is how you spell that. Perfect. Yanis, uh, <laughs> always great to talk to you. Thank you so much for the time, and uh, we'll be watching the, the playoffs. Perhaps we'll have you back for Champions League and MLS coming in the, uh, the next couple of weeks. Thank you, Jason, and have a good rest of the show. And in the 11 o'clock show on Sirius, I'll Appreciate be listening. It. Ah, there you go. Yanis Mihalik, who you can listen to on Sirius XM occasionally as well. He does an excellent job uh, on uh, counterattack. Yanis uh, joining us on a, on a Tuesday. All right, we'll step aside. We'll come back. Phone lines will be open. It'll be your turn to talk to me. Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com. Be right back.
Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Back on Soccer Morning Tuesday, we are taking your phone calls. Good show so far, man. Giacometti, Mahalik, Davis, sounds like a great law firm, right? Let's go to Robert in L.A. What's going on, man? Hey. Hey, good morning, Jason. Good morning. Hey, I want to talk about the MLS Cup uh, playoff format. Uh, you had a Charles Dome yesterday, and you and you're, you guys were talking about the, the the format and how it works, and the, you know, with two games away goals and the aggregate. I, no one's ever mentioned this. If you're the higher speed, you have the chance to get the away goals first. Yeah, sure. No, they're, 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 exactly. people, they're, 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 that's talked about. I mean, clearly that's why it was important for FC Dallas to score and why people are talking about the Red, Bull, Red Bulls missing an opportunity to get one. Uh, away goals are huge now in these in these series, and if you are the home team, uh, if you are the higher seed, rather, Robert, you do have the opportunity to get that that away goal first in the first leg and, and, and set yourself up to, to own the tiebreaker, but... You know, it's a matter. I, I, I think it, I don't think it's clear cut, though, right? It's not. It's not as though every single team would say, "Yeah, we definitely want to be home second. Because sometimes you want to go out on your front foot. Maybe, maybe you're really, really good at home. Maybe you're the LA Galaxy. Maybe you're FC Dallas. And you know what? If we if we have the home leg first, we win three nothing, and then we could just lock it down in the second leg. You'd probably rather to do that, right? Well, that didn't work for uh, Vancouver when 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 they were facing Portland. I, I mean, look, again, it's, it's different for every team. I'm saying I, I kind of like the notion of giving a team a choice. Is the second leg at home an advantage? For some teams it probably is. For some teams it's not. Yes, but then that's also be applied for a away. Uh, when you go on the road, you may have a good home record, but then a bad away, away record. So, that, so I, I understand what you're saying, but I, I, just, I hear no one ever like, Mentioned that oh everyone always talks about like aggregate and stuff. There are dicks like you had uh, a from Brooklyn. He's saying that the higher seats you just go through all the way and just get rid of uh, away goals. But that was just one thing I want to say. And also I don't know if you got my tweets. So I was talking about you know cross promoting stuff like that. I, I sent you a tweet. I don't know if you got it. No, I did. I did. And you make some really good points. I mean uh, Robert is Robert has as far as I know Robert has two pet issues that he con- consistently brings up when it comes to to soccer on television and M- MLS in particular. On television, one of them is showing goal reactions from managers. Right, you're a big fan, for, big fan of that. Yep. And number two, yeah, fun. number two, and you brought this up a couple times in the recent uh, in recent weeks is cross promotion. And you've got uh, you've got a screenshot of a tweet from NBC Sports uh, Soccer, Premier League darlings, Leicester City look out to look to Al Fox, Manchester United on Saturday. Al Michaels on Sunday Night Football. Al Michaels was on Sunday Night Football, which is obviously one of the biggest television shows in the country promoting NBC's soccer property. Whereas, and you follow this up, would be nice to, to if, if Mike Tirico on Monday Night Football, Joe Buck on Fox, promoted the MLS playoffs for the final. You'd think that they would hype their games. Now, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know why they wouldn't. Yeah, I'm saying like hype. I'm just saying like hype. And, oh, anything on their own network. Yeah, much. Sure. You think they will want people to watch their own channel. Yeah, and you know, well, okay, the Fox thing I don't know about because part of the problem there is you are... You're actually sent, you're telling people to go watch something on Fox Sports One rather than on Fox Proper because the soccer or the 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 football's on Fox Proper and soccer's on. But I mean that that's that's to me seems like a very small thing. Certainly, there's no reason that ESPN can't have Mike Tirico read a liner for MLS. There's zero reason that that can't that 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 that, that shouldn't happen. I, and I don't know. I don't know what the thinking is over there. 
Well, uh, I, I, don't know, I I send them uh, when you were away and uh, Jonathan Tanwell was on the show. I, I I brought this up too, and then he he sees I don't know he sees like a mix. He doesn't see that as like you know cross promoting as being like the the main thing that was solving. I'm not saying it's the main thing. I'm just saying it's one little AD thing in the. The, the bigger plan. Sure, yeah. I mean, look, and, and these are bricks in a in a larger wall, right? I mean, we're not talking about this being the thing that pushes MLS over the top on television. We're not saying that that Mike Tirico reading a liner for for an ESPN MLS playoff game is going to send the the ratings through the roof. But if you have that venue to tell people about this thing that's happening, why not use it? And, and like you said, NBC has no problem having Al Michaels read something about soccer. I I caught something. Oh man, I, I caught something on, uh, it might have been NBC. I, I don't know where it was, but it was, it, it was, yeah, I think it was. I think it was NBC and it was some event. They, they, maybe it was, maybe it was Sunday Night Football, but maybe it was something like that. It was somebody talking about soccer and it was just so natural in that moment. And I was like, wow, that's, that's, that's great. They just threw it in there. Like it, like it was no big deal. Like, well, why wouldn't ESPN do that? Why wouldn't, why wouldn't Fox? use that opportunity with their biggest platform, the NFL on Fox, to tell people about the MLS Cup playoffs on their network. Why wouldn't they do that? Yeah, that's a good point. I'll just say this one more thing. I know you got all your callers. Uh, this, uh, last week I was watching uh, college football and I was watching Notre Dame, which was on NBC, and then they were promoting, uh, they did like a halftime report and they go like around like the sports world and they're doing like, they're doing NASCAR, that's what hockey, it was, NBA, that's, and they that's did what it uh, was. soccer. So I was, and they treat it just like an evil thing, just, you see the other network, they like to keep it like separated. I, I don't want to use the phrase segregated, but just, you know, like, hey, don't, like, hey, it's over there. It's its own foreign thing. Yeah, no, I'm, I mean, look, th- th- again, well, whatever. It, it, that's where I heard it, by the way. I think I, I flipped over to the, to the Notre Dame BC game or whatever it was. Uh, and it was NBC, whatever, whatever college football NBC does. And it was, Whoever their announcer was, whoever their, their play-by-play guy was, saying, "Oh, look, you know, so and so and so is doing this in the Premier League, taking on such and such." And I was like, "Wow, that's that's really cool. I wish we could do that." Robert, appreciate the call. All right, thanks. Anyway. thanks. And, and look, you know, part of this is uh, there is a, there's uh, there's obviously within American soccer, with American soccer fans, with MLS, with NASL, with USL, with everything that we do here, there is this inferiority complex that 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 just we can't ever seem to let go of. And part of the reason for that, part of the reason that exists is for, because in, in this particular case, why is an MLS not getting the same kind of treatment? Now, maybe MLS doesn't rise to that level. Maybe they don't want to use their time to say, to, to promote MLS because MLS isn't going to get ratings anyway. I mean, I, I mean, for them, it's, it's wasted money down the drain because you could use that moment, that, that 10 seconds, that 15 seconds that you read the promo to promote something else that will get ratings. I don't know. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's where we are. All right. Looks like Robert's going to be the only one to get in here on a Tuesday. Uh, phone lines are shut them down. I'm shutting them down. I'm shutting them down. It's got Thanksgiving week coming up or Thanksgiving coming up. We are, here's the schedule again. I'm going to roll it out there for you. We are not doing the web show tomorrow. Tomorrow we're taking the hol- a holiday from the web show, but I will be on Sirius XM. So Sirius XM today, 11 to 1 a.m. Eastern, uh, 11 a.m. Eastern to 1 p.m. Eastern time. So uh, on channel 85 tomorrow, just the Sirius satellite show from 11 to 1. Thursday, obviously nothing. It's Thanksgiving. Go eat some turkey and uh, watch some. Well, watch whatever you want to watch soccer if you can find it. Uh, Friday, we will be back on our regular schedule. Friday, we'll be back here doing the web show and then the Sirius satellite show as well. 
All right, there you go. You're caught up. You got it all in. Thank you very much to Robert. Thank you very much to Eric Giacometti. Go follow him. Read his stuff at MLSsoccer.com. Thank you to Anish Mahalik. Listen to everything Anish does. He's a very smart soccer guy. And we will be back, uh, we'll be back on Friday. That's it. Uh, let me blow you everybody. Uh, no, that's for my girlfriend, actually. I'll let you guys go. She's watching. She wanted one of those. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm turning bright red on the air right now. We'll talk to you guys on Friday. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. See you then. Bye. We'll be right back.